Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Salah. Escape Cancelo. Oh, it's brilliant from Mo Salah. And still, Salah. Oh, sensational! Son had a goal and scored a beauty. Oh, what a strike from Yuri Tielemans. De Bruyne. And it is Wood. Martinelli, gorgeous. Still going up. Oh, he's done it again. And City have won the Premier League. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. EPL Index proudly brings to you the best prediction podcast in the world, a tad predictable, with your host, Tiriwa Chanakira, and his guest, Aston Villa's own, James Billingham. It's game week 22, and you know what that means. It's time for another brand new episode of a tad predictable I know, I know, I know there's FA Cup games coming up this weekend, but straight after that, during next week, from Tuesday the 30th of Jan, Premier League is back. So there's there's no rest for these guys. They they had a mini break, if you can call it that, for some teams, um, but certainly not something that um, was equal to what Harry Kane got to to, to enjoy this time around uh, with, with the winter breaks that they have in other leagues. I am happy to welcome back James. Uh, James, welcome back to the show. Obviously, Aston Villa fan, we enjoyed having you on. It's always good when when someone comes on and then we're able to sign them on a long-term deal. And I know at these points in time in the transfer window, sometimes loan signings don't work out quite well, but you, you seem to have settled in quite nicely. Yeah, it's a tough market to manoeuvre usually in, in January. So yeah, I uh, I feel like I've settled down already, and uh, yeah, I'm in, I'm enjoying being back on. Excellent stuff, and I'm sure the listeners are, are glad to have you back on as well. Um, I, I, I did mention there. Obviously, there's FA Cup coming up this coming weekend, um, but then the Premier League kicks back up in the middle of the week next week. Later on in this podcast, we're going to go a bit deeper into sort of the cups because. First and foremost, England have two cups um, for their top division in terms of the FA Cup and the Carabao Cup. 
where some of the leagues have only one cup. We'll discuss how we value them, maybe take a viewpoint from fans from different levels of the Premier League, how they might value them, and, and then um, have a nice discussion on that. But before we get to that juicy discussion, we've got a couple of fixtures to run through. They're mostly all going to be the ones that are on Tuesday, the 30th of Jan, um, two of which are on TNT Sport. And then the rest, if you're in the UK, I guess it's good luck to you if you want to watch Fulham versus Everton, Luton versus Brighton, or Crystal Palace versus Sheffield United. You're kind of out of luck uh, unless you link up with our presenting sponsors. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by Liberty Shield in association with EPRindex.com. Liberty Shield is a VPN service. It's really easy to install, really easy to use, and has a whole host of features. You guys can use it on multiple devices, whether you're traveling and you don't want to get locked out of your bank account or you want to be safe whilst you're using public Wi-Fi, which is a big thing. Um, if you want to unlock geo-locked content or just want to protect your online data, then Liberty Shield is definitely for you. Um, one of my favorite things from Liberty Shield is just being able to unlock content from around the world. Um, I guess our, our, our listeners would mostly um, associated with Premier League games where they can access a Peacock or a DSTV in South Africa that shows all of these games um, and, and it's not a, an issue for you. But it also works for stuff like Disney or Netflix. You can unlock some of the Marvel films that only um, are tailored for, you know, in terms of geographical locking on Netflix that are tailored for the US market and stuff like that. Guys, definitely go and check out Liberty Shield. If you use the coupon code EPL25, you'll get 25% off on your either the router or the software VPN. James, let's start off with Nottingham Forest versus Arsenal. Obviously, Arsenal were the first game this past weekend as well. Um, a skeleton schedule this past weekend with them having quite a rampant um, display against Crystal Palace. I guess from Nottingham Forest's perspective, it was quite heartbreaking for them. Um, I thought, you know, that uh, the game against Brentford, I, I thought it was going to be a lot more cagey than it ended up being. It ended up being quite an open game and, and quite a fun game, in, in my opinion. Um, they're looking good under Nuno, in my opinion. Um, obviously, there's a lot of players that are missing for them from AFCON and stuff like that. So I thought that was going to hinder them quite a bit in, in, you know, in the, the weeks whilst AFCON is on. But somehow they still managed to give, you know, good competitive performances. What do you make of Nottingham Forest and then obviously Arsenal and, and this fixture? I think Forest, I agree. I think Forest are looking pretty decent under, under Nuno. And I think that as time goes on, they'll, they'll just get better. And then it'll be interesting to see, obviously, come the summer what their recruitment will be around their difficulties and stuff at the moment. But I think the squad's kind of settling pretty well without the players that they are missing, obviously. And I think that that game against Brentford was, I think it had a bit of an energy around it just because of the the Tony return. So there was a bit more to it. I think Brentford fed off that in, in the end. And I mean, the game was won by a really, really good goal. I mean, there's two brilliant goals in that game in general. So, yeah, I thought they were they were quite unlucky. Um, so I think they'll be licking their wounds and they'll be going into this game against Arsenal, obviously at home, hoping that they can 
that can punish any spaces that Arsenal do leave. But Arsenal played well at the weekend and I think they sort of clicked and got a bit of frustration out of the system. And I think set pieces are going to be really big for them um, for the rest of the season. They have been already. I mean, they, they look really good at set pieces, especially corners. So that's going to be something that teams are going to have to try and stop Arsenal from, from benefiting from. I think, I'd imagine that Arsenal will win, but I don't think it's going to be that easy. Uh, I, I think that it, they'll win 2-1. Um, it will be a, a tight game at times, but I think Arsenal's quality will will, um, will shine through in the end. Yeah, and, and you've mentioned um, the set pieces there. I think, especially for a side that's been criticised um, of their lack of firepower in front of goal, um, having that sort of extra arrow... Um, so to speak, in your quiver, in, in Arsenal, being able to get goals from set pieces, it just relieves a little bit of pressure as well. Because I think we saw them start to play their game and, and become more confident after they've gone ahead. You've got the two set piece goals. The pressure's now off to score the goals. Maybe the players aren't focused too much or, or you know, sometimes you get in your own head when you know you're struggling to score goals and it ends up just compounding the situation. But it seemed to help them out. So if, if they can continue doing that, chipping in with a couple of set-piece goals every now and then, it certainly will will help them out. From my perspective, I, I like how competitive Nottingham Forest have been in games. Obviously, at home, under Steve Cooper, they were really good. I'm seeing it's going to be the same thing with Nuno. Get those results at home. I can see them getting a 2-2 draw in this one. And part of that is obviously Arsenal... Are, Yes, they say pieces are, are are really good, one of the best in the league, but it's not often that you score set pieces every single week. Maybe odd, every odd week or so. So again, and if they don't then get those set piece goals, are they going to have the confidence to to to, to score goals outside of those set pieces? I think that will allow Nottingham Forest a chance just to to stay in this game and with the home crowd, I can see them whether they're 2-1 down or something getting roared back into you know in, in, into the game and, and getting a late equaliser for a 2-2 draw on that one. Let's move on to Fulham versus Everton. Obviously, Fulham were announced uh, a tad predictable team to root for for this season. They've, they've had a bit of a rough spell, obviously, four losses in their last five games, but I don't know how much of that is focusing on the FA Cups and the Carabao Cups. Obviously, they're deep in the Carabao Cup. Um, they've got a game coming up soon against Liverpool that they'll they'll need to focus on as well. It, I think that's a, that has had an impact on them. The, the the focus has been turned a little bit. Obviously, in the league, they've been doing well enough where it, it wasn't really now a problem um, in terms of are they going to get sucked into that relegation zone. Yes, they're on 24 points. Um, 16 points currently is where Luton is. You kind of have half an hour on it, but I think with the way they've played so far this season, they were comfortable enough that, okay, we've got a bit of breathing room. Let's really push on these cup games. And I think that's affected their league form. Um, and obviously, if you want to come right game, you need to, you need, you need to take certainly your, your points at home, but also coming up against an Everton side who have been struggling. They had that resurgence. Um, obviously when the points got deducted. Uh, it's kind of weaned a little bit and then they've been hit with potentially another points deduction. So I don't know if that's going to rejuvenate them again. Um, but 
for me, I think the biggest concern when it comes to Everton is DCL. Calvert-Lewin does not look like the same player at the moment. He can't seem to buy a goal. And if he's not scoring goals, I, I'm starting to 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 worry about Everton and, and their future in the Premier League. Yeah, um, I think on Fulham, they, I think on their day, they can turn up and they can be very, very competitive. Um, I'm, I'm still quite a big fan of Tom Kearney, considering Villa's past of him um, beating us in the playoff final. But he's such an intelligent player. Um, really like uh, Jimenez. I think him coming back into some sort of form is really good to see. But yeah, I think the cup competitions are taking a bit of a toll on the league form at times. Um and I do think, obviously, they, they play the, the second leg before they play Everton this uh, this coming game week. So, be interesting to see. I'd imagine they will prioritise that because, you know, with the position they're in and that they're very close to, to pulling something off there. So, I imagine that they'll put everything into that. Um, but as you say, Everton, I, I think they're very organised and they are quite creative in, in their own way. And... The only problem that they're having at the moment really is that they don't look clinical. Um, they've got a couple of goal scorers in that squad, but I think, you know, that when you're in that sort of position, all those goals that mean so much, I think that plays a, a, a big part. I mean, we obviously played them in the last time out and Calvert Lewin going through one on one against Martinez. And I just didn't feel if I was in their, in their boots, I wouldn't feel comfortable Calvert Lewin was going to score that still. A, it just didn't. I didn't feel that worried considering the size of the chance that it was. And obviously, Decore had that disallowed goal at the end. He's a big source of goals if they can get him with the light runs into the box or around that area anyway. They just need to start. It just it, it, not simple, but start taking their chances, and they will get more results because they are a good side and their organisation's their biggest uh, quality. I think because that. They can soak up more pressure than most other teams, I think, and then be able to to pounce. But that that's the thing that you have to be clinical. Um, you know, we, we, there's a lot of talk around XG and everything these days, but you can't account for quality in that. So players take chances if they're if they're really really good players. So I think this game will be quite cagey at times, and I think they'll it'll be a one one draw. And I think I think Fulham would take that, and I think Everton would want a lot more. Um, right now, considering Fulham have got that that midweek tie, I think they'd probably take a point if if they can pull off a win against Liverpool. Yeah, that that would be uh, a fun week for them if if they, if they can get that. And I'm sure if they could pick between the two games, which one to win, I would I would assume most of the fans would want the Liverpool one to be the one that they win. Yeah. Um, I've gone with a one nil Fulham win. Um, again, obviously, all the things we've spoken about with regards to Everton's firepower, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for them to prove it to me in that sense. And with Decore, it's one of those where he's not known as a regular goal scorer. So it, it, is it more a purple patch that he went through? And if that's the case, then you start to worry even more. But if, if he can continue to score goals, that, that would be good for them. Um, I'm going to, ask you to lead us off with Luton versus Brighton. Obviously, Luton currently find themselves in 18th place with a game in hand over um, Everton, who have 17 points. And then obviously Nottingham Forest have 20. So even if they win their game in hand, they wouldn't catch up to Nottingham Forest. But yeah, what are your thoughts on Luton versus Brighton? Um, obviously, Brighton, a, a, a team that we 
we are currently watching at time of recording, just to peel back the curtain here from a production standpoint, it's nil-nil half-time uh, against Wolves in, in terms of what time we're recording this podcast. Yeah, I think um, it would be a very good game to watch, to be honest. I think Luton, for me, even though they're not, you know, um, as high as they might want to be in the table, I think they've been quite refreshing in their approach because they do have that physical side to the game but, um, most of the time. But I think they've got some nice technical players as well. I mean, Ross Barkley, for me, has been a revelation in the in the middle of the of the park. He, he's really good to watch. He's rolled back the years. So, yeah, I enjoy watching them. And I, I like their... They've took this challenge by the scruff of the neck. And especially at home, I think they could get results against against anyone, really. So, I think it'll be a tough game for Brighton, who will wish they had a bit more width about the game. But that, that pitch will restrict them a bit more. And I think that's when Luton can, can place their traps and, and catch them on the break, maybe. Because Brighton is still, obviously faltering um, with all their competitions as well. Um, obviously, the, the Europe's not back until next month, but you, you know you've, you're adding the FA Cup as well now. You've still got to you know account for that. Um, but yeah, the, the the Brighton form. I don't think they should be too worried about it. Um, I think that it'll it'll click again soon. I think they'll get a run towards the end of the season, and you know that they had a good result against Spurs recently as well. You know the the bloom away for the majority of the game. Um, so I think, you know, there's still a really quality team. It's just the extra workload psychologically as well as physically for them. I think um, it will be a tight game. I think Luton will try and make it scrappy because that would suit them a lot more. And I think that Luton will actually come away with a win here. I think it'll be tight and it'll be a 1-0 late goal winning uh, match. That that would be fantastic for Luton. Um, yeah, you mentioned the pitch. Um, I, I think everyone, when when you talk about Luton, you have to mention the pitch. Uh, Kenilworth is certainly um, pushing the, the 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 limits, should I say, of the 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 Premier League regulations when it comes to pitch size and 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 yeah. what you can and cannot do from that perspective. But look, I'm okay with it. I have no issues with them doing that. The rules are there. They're playing within the rules. Um, you know, other teams deal with it. You know, it, no one complains, you know, when the likes of City or Arsenal have a very wide pitch because um, that it suits the way they, they they like to play. And this pitch suits the way um, Luton tried to play. And especially when you're trying to stay in the Premier League, be smart about it. Use all of the things you can to your advantage. And yeah, they've certainly made it a difficult place to come and it will be difficult for Brighton. Um, I've gotten one one in terms of scoreline predictions here. Obviously, Brighton um, finally got a clean sheet um, a, a couple of weeks back. Could they get another one in this game against Wolves? Uh, time will tell. But I do think this break that you mentioned, not having European football for a little bit, will help them to get back into a good form in the Premier League. And, and hopefully for their sake, just either... I don't know what their long-term ambitions are for this season, whether they want to put all their eggs in the European basket or if they still want to try get back into Europe via the Premier League, that I'm not sure of. But at least if they can get a couple of points in now before Europe starts again, just to give themselves a, a bit of a cushion would be good. And I think a point at Luton at this point in time is, is, is a great point. We've seen teams like Liverpool struggle 
um, to get a point at, at Luton. So yeah, I, I think a point would be fantastic for them. So I've gone one, one and I, I hope Brighton fans will, will see that as a positive. And then for Luton, just pick up points. Just keep yeah. picking up points and see where that leaves you at the end of the season. Let's move on to our next game. Crystal Palace versus Sheffield United. Palace obviously felt the wrath of Arsenal <laughs> this past weekend. Um, and I, I felt bad for them because it's an Arsenal side who they were top of the log. They've kind of fallen off a bit in terms of the title race. If, if you can really fall off this season, I feel like teams are going to drop a lot more points than in previous seasons in, in the title race. So I, I don't think they're out of the title race, so to speak. Um, but. The fans would have been, you know, expecting a reaction at the Emirates. And then Crystal Palace just happened to be the team that was there when Arsenal were, were at their angriest. So it was rather unfortunate for them. Um, in terms of injuries, I'm, I'm looking down the list. Um, obviously the issue, the big issue for them is trying to get Olisi and Eze on the pitch at the same time for at least like four or five games, you know, where they can really get you know, get going, get into a rhythm and, and start to be, you know, the talisman that they both can be for this team. Uh, it must be really frustrating every time one of them comes back, another gets injured. Um, missing Ayu, who's at AFCON, and I know he's not maybe the poster child for, you know, uh, players that you, you put first on a team sheet, but I like players like him that can hold the ball up. Um, smart with with possession don't lose it too often um i, I think that type of stuff helps out a, a team like crystal palace they come up against sheffield united who officially scored the latest goal in premier league history last time out against west ham with that um penalty what do you make of of this game palace need a spark um obviously they need a reaction themselves after what happened at the Emirates and Sheffield United looked decent in my opinion. Um, the results haven't always gone their way, but they've been competitive. They've, they've stayed in games for the most part recently. Um, obviously it's a, it's a, it's a reju it's a renewal of a manager bounce, bringing back someone that was already there. But uh, I think if Crystal Palace aren't careful, I can see Sheffield United winning this one. I've got 2-1 at the moment to Sheffield United. That'd be a, an interesting result. Um, I could see it. Uh, I, I've personally got Palace winning 1-0, but it does depend what sort of Palace turn up. And I think they look like they've got tired minds at the moment. Yeah. They look like they need some sort of refreshment. And, you know, I think if they could have Elise and Eze on at the, same, at the same time at some point, I think that would give them a bit more of a spark. But they do look... A little bit lost at times. They look a bit stodgy, whereas Sheffield United seem to look okay uh, game plan wise, but they, they can't seem to buy a win at the moment. So it's, I think it's going to be one of those games where it's just going to take a moment of, of inspiration to to settle it. Um, I think SA could be key to them. It, I think he can provide that. That's why I've got Palace as a one mil. I think they'll just edge it, you know, being at home and hopefully mustering some sort of atmosphere to, they have a good atmosphere in general at Salas so I think that that could could sway it as well but I can't see it being too much of an entertaining game it's just a game that both of them are looking at that the three points would feel like six to both of them right now it, for, for different reasons I mean Palace aren't too far away from the, the drop zone but you, you feel like it, they're 
pretty safe every season, no matter what. They, they seem to be to be fine. So I think for them, it would just be a rejuvenation of the feeling around the club if they could get get a, a result this weekend. So yeah, I, I would take. I, I would predict one nil for, for Palace, but it will be a, a cagey tight game. I think. If if I could ask, do you think the fact that everyone know, knows it's Roy Hodgson's last season has sort of bled into the the malaise sort of with the team as well? Yeah, I'd say so. I think if it was if if I was in that situation supporting Palace and I knew that we were sort of just having to get through this season, uh, the the need a bit of fresh ideas, they need some fresh recruitment as well. This feels like almost like a gap year that, that they've just got to get through. Um, if they're not careful, it can obviously end up bad. But I would say that it, it has to play its part, you know, because they know that there's a, a new era on its way. So, yeah, it, it'll, as I say, this is this will be a, a big game for them because I think if they can sort of find some form this end of the season, they can think freshly ahead of themselves then instead of worrying right now. So, yeah, it will, it'll be interesting to see in the summer what sort of direction they go as well. Yeah, certainly one of the clubs to look out for in terms of what they do. Um, let's move on to what personally I think is going to be game of the week. Um, obviously not weekend, but game of the week. I know there's some people that might be looking, uh, further down on the fixture list with games like Liverpool versus Chelsea. But for me, Newcastle versus Aston Villa. I mean, we saw in, was it July? There was the 3-3 draw there. We've seen in August, there was obviously the 5-1 Newcastle win. So Villa need to respond. And I'm sure the players will be reminding each other of what happened last time they played them in August and wanting to correct, you know, that wrong, uh, from, from a Villa perspective. And then obviously from a Newcastle perspective, they've looked, uh, a shell of themselves. In, in recent weeks, I think the season has finally started to toll on them with having so many games. But I, to me, I, I don't feel as sorry for Newcastle as I would someone else, purely because there have been opportunities where they should be rotating and resting players. And Eddie Howe just doesn't do it. So if, if, if the manager is not going to rotate players and rest players, why should I feel sympathetic towards them in terms of squad depth? Anthony Gordon is playing every single minute. He's getting the sucker treatment where yeah. whether he's injured or not, he's going to play. Um, and I, I don't know if that's a, a recipe that that's going to, to bode well for them. We, we saw what it did to the form of Karen Trippier, who I think just mental fatigue just took him out of it from, from a defensive perspective. Um, and even his influence going forwards has sort of dwindled a bit from their perspective. But yeah. So Newcastle, they, they, they need to channel whatever they, they, they were on at the beginning of the season if they, they want to get a result in this one. And then from a Villa perspective, obviously the nil-nil draw with Everton, in my opinion, it frustrating, but not worrying. There's sometimes where you draw a game and you're like, okay, the, the team's heading in, in, in a scary situation. I thought they were creating chances. It was just one of those where, okay, the ball just didn't go in the back of the net. On yeah. another day, they probably would have scored two or three goals. So it, it it didn't worry me that performance. And they will be looking at this Newcastle team, seeing their form and saying, guys, that this is a game we have to go and bury them. Yeah, it is. I think, you know, you look at Newcastle's form, you look at their mental fatigue, their, their injury list, 
and the fact that we've got home advantage. This game often seems to swing on who's at home, to be honest. They're usually really good games, even in pre-season, as you say. That was a thrilling game to watch. I mean, I think it was uh, last season. I think we won 2-0 at home against them. Uh, it might have been the season before, but it usually is the, the home team that wins. And you think about when when we were managerless, waiting for Emery to come in, we lost 4-0 to them. Uh, the start of last season, and then we we beat them three 0 in April. Then it, there's the three three in pre season, and then Newcastle obviously smashed us five one first game of the season. So it, it does tend to sway on the atmosphere. There's there's a little bit of a I wouldn't say a rivalry between the clubs. There's a there's something between us, and I, I always say I think that we're quite a similar fan base. We're passionate and we're opinionated and we're naive. So I think that's sort of what rubs against each other. But in terms of on the pitch, Newcastle. They also look a bit lost as well as tired at times. I think they've, they've just had to get through so many games and so many big games this season where they've just fell short as well that I think it has taken its toll. Whereas I agree with you, in our case, last time out against Everton, I thought we had some good chances and it was just fine margins. That The disallowed goal was was close. Um, you, you know, if it had been allowed, you'd probably said, again, fine margins, but you'd allow it. So... I wasn't worried watching it. I think there's a lot of feeling around the club at the moment that we're a little bit stodgier than what we were. But I think that's because the first half of the season, we're creating a plethora of chances every game because teams were a bit naive against us. But now they've learned the lesson. They know how to, to, to trap us and, and try and isolate players so they can't really create the same opportunities. But we're, we're working it out slowly and still creating some decent opportunities. So I don't worry for us. Um, I think that this will be a game that could be decided on by the physicality and who can win more of the 50-50s and things like that. Um, I, I have us there for a, for a 2-1 win, which I think would be would be really big for us in terms of keeping up that Champions League contention because it's not just another win, but it's against one of those teams that you know you, you want to lay down a bit of a marker and, and prove yourselves against. So. There'll be a good atmosphere around it, 100%. I have no doubt about that. And I think that'll carry us through the game, uh, an early goal, and then just try and keep on top of them. So, yeah, I, I'd go for 2-1 to Villa. 2-1 to Villa. I've gone 3-1 to Villa. And it might be one of those games where the scoreline maybe ends up being a bit harsher than than how the game turned out. But in my opinion, I, I don't know if Newcastle can keep up for 90 minutes, quite frankly. I. I, I look at also the impact of the players coming off the bench for Villa at the moment. Even Zainolo coming off the bench looks sensational. Like, could you imagine if, if he comes on on the right-hand side, whoever it is, Dan Byrne or whatever, has been chasing Bailey for, for, for you know, 70 minutes and then on comes this guy. I, I just don't see Newcastle having the stamina to to keep up. It 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 might be a situation where it's two one for a really long time, and then Newcastle try and go and get that draw, and then they just get picked off, and and it makes it three one. But yeah, certainly my game of the weekend. I uh, I'm assuming it's going to be yours as well. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I always look forward to us playing Newcastle as well as have a slight bit of nerves because it's just one of those games that I think it can be really open and you can. Can feel a bit tense at times, but yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to watching it. And and it, it it's it, you know you you mentioned that sort of rivalry that starting to build a bit there and brewing. I think also the fact that both teams did so well last season as well 
yeah does add fuel to 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 a game like this so yeah i'm i'm really looking forward to it but let's take a short break um and then we will discuss the FA Cup and Carabao Cup we'll be right back with our guest after this short break when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over $600 each week you can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we are back. We mentioned earlier in the podcast that obviously this weekend coming up, there are a lot of teams that will be taking part in the FA Cup. Some of them, it, it, it's going to be a break, but then also there are teams taking part in the Carabao Cup as well. And obviously you have teams like Liverpool that are doing both. Um, yeah, I, I, we will see how that that shapes up for them when you know we're talking about the amount of games that have had effect on certain teams we'll we'll see when we get to Liverpool but in terms of the FA Cup and Carabao Cup first and foremost what are your thoughts on the UK or or England having two domestic cup competitions I like it um I'd love to go deep into both competitions personally I think silverware is Becoming a, in terms of the FA Cup and the Carabao Cup, I think is becoming less important in a lot of teams' eyes compared to qualifying for Champions League because you know the financial benefits long term of Champions League. So I understand it, but when when you grow up and you you have those big days, the semi finals and finals of, of cups, they're, they're special days, and I think it doesn't matter whether it's the Carabao or the FA Cup for me. Um, I remember the two thousand and nine nine or ten uh, League Cup final that we, we played against uh, United and I, I still to this day feel robbed that Vidic didn't get sent off um, and it could have been a very different game from that and then the, the FA Cup final 2015 that we got smashed 4-0 by Arsenal <laughs> which was a, a day that I was just looking forward to for a long time and then obviously it ends on a sour note but it's for me that's what football is about is for those those days where it's not just about the result, but, you know, the people that travel down to, to Wembley, the fans that have the day out together, I think that's such a massive part of it. And if you get the, if you win in the end, then, you know, that's the, that's the cherry on top for me. And I think that I would like teams to take it a bit more seriously as well. But I know that the, the fixture load these days it, it is quite high, but at the same time, you know, teams are building bigger squads. So, if you if you're smart enough around it, and you can involve your academy, if you if you take your academy recruitment seriously as well, which Villa tend to do that nowadays, we we, we do put a lot of money into the academy and and try and focus on bringing those through, or, or even using them to to sell them on and, and bring in other talents. So you you're still thinking about that that squad planning. So I think if teams thought about it more, that could challenge in more than one competition. I think that'd be great. I think. Football, should, any sort of game should be should be big to a team for me. And, and then when you think about the FA Cup for the for the lower teams, the FA Cup is massive for them. And you know, I think a lot of Premier teams just treat it as a bit of a throwaway sometimes. That you know, use fringe players or youth players only. And it's just, I understand it from one point of view, but I do miss that sort of that that sort of vigor for the for the cup. So it's quite sad seeing it sometimes just be 
throwing away a bit for the for the Champions League places, etc., uh, or just finishing, you know, strongly in the Premier League. It's it's quite sad to see sometimes, but I would like to see, especially the FA Cup being so prestigious. For me, that's something that I'd love to see us win. Um, like this season, if we could win the FA Cup. I'd take that over the, the Europa Conference League personally because of the, the prestige around it. And it's just that cup that I've always wanted to win. So, yeah, I, I, I love the cups personally. Yeah, and I think for me as well, the solution, because you've mentioned the amount of football that uh, clubs are playing at the moment, but also the money that is involved, it's now such a, a big factor, especially with the transfer fees that get thrown around now you you have to have a lot of revenue coming in so that's probably why these cups don't get prioritized as much i think i think the only solution is okay fa cup takes one of the champions league spots yeah you know something like that because you know england now have a fifth um based on you know the coefficients and if all things work out well england will have a fifth spot in the league in terms of champions league move that fifth spot um, um, fifth English spot move it to the FA Cup the team that wins the FA Cup gets that fifth spot if not okay it goes back to the team that's fifth in the league or whatever you know if, if say a Man City goes and wins every trophy like they did last year they yeah. can be other ways to, to decide who gets it but start off by giving that FA Cup a Champions League spot you'll start to see a lot more teams play a lot more, you know, of their starters in those type of games. And if they don't, that's fine. Like that, that's on you. You know what I mean? If, if, you know, you have to make that decision and you have to manage your squad throughout a season and decide which trophies to go for. I think for me, the one thing I always valued with Jose Mourinho is every time he came into a club, the first thing he would do is target the Carabao Cup. Because it's not a lot of games. You can get a trophy in by Feb. And that just takes the weight and the pressure off of him of winning a trophy with that team. And also, it instills in your squad, you know, uh, this desire to win trophies. To This is the standard. We win trophies. And it seemed to work really well for him. It was going to work against, you know, for Tottenham. And then they fired him the week before the final. So even... You know, later years, Jose Mourinho, who's maybe not as um, revered or, or, or feared in the league as he used to be, certainly when he came into Chelsea, even this version of Jose Mourinho was still doing well in the Cups. So, <laughs> I mean, it, it's such a smart play from that perspective. Um, me personally, I, you know, being a Liverpool fan, it's it, it's first world problems and I, I, am, I own that. And I know it's a personal feeling. For me, I want the league. And I know Jurgen Klopp. Jurgen Klopp wants everything. And Jurgen Klopp will play starters. He'll play a Virgil van Dijk in the third round of the Carabao Cup because he wants to win that game. From my perspective, I'm thinking those minutes that he's playing in this cup, we're going to, we're going to feel them second half of the season and it's going to cost us. We saw it the season where, um, we were in every single, we were on the last day of every single competition that we entered. So Carabao Cup final, FA Cup final, Premier League was decided on the last day, Champions League final. We won the FA Cup and the Carabao Cup. But come the end of the season, when it came to the Premier League and the Champions League, our players were finished. 
Salah, etc., Van Dijk, they, they didn't have much to give come the end of the season. And from my perspective, it's going with where your squad or your team is. For Liverpool, I think now is a chance to go win a, a league title because City aren't the City we, we've seen in the past. Obviously, De Bruyne is back now, so we don't know. But it seems like an opportunity to go and win a league title. So from my perspective, I wouldn't put as much weight on, you know, the, the, the Carabao Cup or the FA Cup because I want to go put all my eggs in the league. And if, if we end up losing it, fair enough. But I, I want to give myself the best chance to go win the league. But not too long ago, you know, Liverpool went years without winning a trophy. Back then, I wasn't saying that because I was like, I want a trophy. FA Cup, yes, go for it. But I think because of where we are, and I, again, I say it's a first world problem. I fully appreciate that. I want the, I want the league. And that's why I don't put as much weight in the Carabao Cup and the FA Cup because I don't want it to eat into, into our minutes. I, I don't know if that's too, too higher up. Uh, 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 or, or, or looking down on the on the cups, I, I hope I'm not disrespecting them. As I said, I think they should give it a Champions League position um, to try and boost the cup because I do want it to be competitive. I just think, from my personal perspective, with where Liverpool are at the moment, I'm, I really want a league title again. No, I think that's fair. Um, as you say, I think where your team is at right now can play a part in that thinking. You know, for us, we know that. I think right now we should be targeting the, the top five with how we've started this season and gone on. Um, but we're so short of silverware in recent times that, you know, an FA Cup would feel like top five to me. Um, it'd feel better. So, but I think if, if you was to win an FA Cup and then a, a Carabao Cup at the Europa Conference League, I think winning is sort of normalised then and you want the, the bigger trophies. And, you know, I, I suppose for, for Liverpool, only having the one Premier League title, but you've got the quality really to to push another one now. Um, especially with with Klopp still around, you, you'd want to to push that as much as you can because obviously nothing lasts forever, and City will feel that as well when Guardiola goes goes. I feel so I can understand that thinking. Um, but yeah, if there was to to make um, the FA Cup fifth spot, um, pretty much, then I think that would um, that would make a lot of teams think twice about how they approach it and it would make it a really interesting cup competition then. And it would then play into the league as well. You know, if, if teams start to reprioritise the FA Cup, you see different results in the Premier League as well then. So I think it would be really interesting to see how the competitions affect each other then as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm... I'm interested to hear what uh, some of the fans have to say <laughs> on on our opinions on that. But let's move on to the rest of the fixtures. Speaking of Manchester City, they will be entertaining Burnley. Look, I think Burnley, I don't think it's disrespectful to say they're going to be trying to keep the scoreline as respectable as, as possible. Um, it's To me, it's the toughest game on, on paper in the league is Man City at the Etihad. I, every single time, I, I just think... With, with what they've done in recent history, that is the toughest fixture in the league. Obviously, um, Burnley, I think, have had some okay performances recently. They just haven't quite resulted in wins. Some of them may be some refereeing decisions that they will be questioning. Certainly, it seems every time I'm putting on a Burnley game, there is some sort of controversy in, in games involving them. So, They've been on the wrong end of a couple of decisions. But 
do you think company could come in against this old club and and and, and pull off something special here? In all honesty, no. Um, <laughs> I think that they're a side that I quite like to watch. Yeah. Um, sometimes I feel like they might be a little bit naive in how they approach playing it from the back, but I understand that's a philosophy thing. And if you can bed that in as you're still trying to build your squad for the future, then you know it, it works out long term. But you, you've also got to think about what your long term is going to be, whether that'll be in the Premier League or in in the Championship. So at some point, you have to think about pragmatism as well as you want the results um, and this this game coming just feels like it's only going to be one result and I'd expect City to to put a three or four past them I have got four nil um, if De Bruyne gets it you know plenty of minutes as well I think I can only see being at least three goals um, and Foden is purring and Haaland return on the horizon I feel like this is where City start to do their thing they start to motor they start to hit a groove and they will start pushing teams to the side and it's going to make it a really interesting run in at the top of the league because Liverpool, even with the players they're missing right now as well, they look they look really good to me. Um, I, I've seen quite a few questions about whether what they're doing is sustainable, but for me, the quality they've got makes it sustainable. But back onto City against Burnley, I think this is going to be just a, a repeat of what we usually see from City. So if I was company, I would be looking to try and keep that, that score down. Um, you know, you do want to go into games thinking you can get something, but you, you've also got to be a bit realistic in, in how you approach it. So goal difference can be massive towards the end of the season. If, if I was them, I'd be thinking about defensive solidity first uh, against it. Yeah, and, and you mentioned sort of the, the style of football he's trying to bet in there. It, this is the wrong team to play <laughs> because I think, you know, obviously Vincent company coming out of the school of the city style football, he's going to want to play with a ball on the ground and it's not going to work against a team that lives and breathes it every single day at such a high level as city yeah. do. I, I've also got four nil written down here. Um, I, I just don't think it's going to bode well for Burnley. Um, I'm not expecting them to sit back and sort of, you know, make it difficult for City and, and try and win it with set pieces. I'm, I'm expecting them to try and be brave, play with the ball and they're going to get caught out. Um, so yeah, I've, I've gone four nil as well on that one. Let's move on to Tottenham versus Brentford. You mentioned the return of Ivan Tony, uh, a bit earlier, um, in, in the podcast. Uh, <laughs> the cheek, the cheek of him moving that ball, um, to take that freaky look. I, I applaud him and, I do because how many times do we see the wall um, scratch out that 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 mark white marker that refs put down and sort of start creeping forward and walking forward and by the time the free kick's taken they've basically walked at least two yards forward. So yeah. if they're going to do that and you can get away with doing this, I, I don't know how much often he can get away with with doing that now going forward but it worked out in this game what, what do you make of uh, Tottenham versus Brentford low-key another game that could be quite quite spicy yeah I think it could be I think Brentford are having a few games recently where the, there's a bit of, of a heat to it um, which might suit them um, I think they will be looking forward to another game with Tony back he, he just gives them another dimension he can he can terrorise any sort of defence not with just his, his his physicality I think he's he doesn't look short of uh, fitness in, in 
in the sense of he played 100 minutes the other night, and I don't think he looked like he was flagging until quite late on. He, he's just a really solid player, um, but Spurs at home, you know, I think some of their returning players are, are building them back up again, and they're just they're still so really so good to watch. And I think when Madison returns for them, I think that could really decide what what their the end of their season looks like. Um, I like them buying as it as Dragusin. Um, I think he looks like he'll be a quite a solid centre back, tough to get past, and that will help considering you know Van der Ven was out for for some time. You don't know whether that he'll become a bit more susceptible to more injuries now. So it it, it depends on that front. But in terms of a, of squad rotation as well, it, it's only going to benefit them. Um, it was a big win for Brentford the other day. Um, it was cheeky from from Tony, but. Football's about finding those margins, and he did. If it was me, I'd be looking more the goalkeeper goalkeeper positioning. To be honest, that <laughs> his own player was telling him that, and he left Tony a massive window of opportunity there to aim at. So that's <laughs> I'm looking at more personally. Um, but yeah, this game I've got Spurs three-one. I think Tony will score again, but I think Spurs will will dominate most of the game. And yeah, they do look in in pretty decent form. You know, three wins out of the last five. Um, I can only see one result, and um, it would be another really solid win for him. Yeah, and it's at home as well for for Spurs. They've got a decent atmosphere. So I spend way more time than I would care to admit at at Tottenham games. Obviously, with my better half being a, a Spurs fan, but um, I, I think Spurs are starting to get into that groove of consistency starting to get results starting to their performances obviously playing well Richarlison's starting to play well which has been very beneficial for them a few players starting to come back from injury I think that also plays a a big part from a psychological standpoint for the squad if we know okay we've got a James Madison he's almost back you know let's let's keep this momentum going I, I think it's just it seems like an upwards trajectory for, for Tottenham at the moment. I've gone 2-1 in this game. I, I think Brentford will make it difficult for them. Um, Ivan Tony, obviously it will be interesting to see how he plays against the Spurs defenders. Not, not a player that's going to necessarily run in behind Van der Ven. So I, I don't think that's going to be too big a worry for, for Spurs from that perspective, but his physicality, the runners in and around supporting Ivan Tony, that's going to be quite interesting for me because Spurs don't usually face that kind of problem. It's more usually the oh, our, our team's going to try and get in behind us. What about when they come and be a bit more physical up front? Uh, I want to see how uh, Spurs handle that. But in, in terms of overall performance, I, I think Spurs, they create a, a bucket load of chances. They're, they're going to have enough to, to go and win this one, 2 1. Let's move on to Liverpool versus Chelsea. From my perspective, this game tends to be cagey way more than it needs to be. Um, I don't know why, irrespective of what form these two teams come into these games, it always ends up being like a 1-1 or 1-0-0-0 low-scoring game. So I'm going to go 1-0 to Liverpool because of how cagey these games constantly seem to be. Obviously, Liverpool have Carabao Cup, FA Cup, then the Chelsea game, then they've got an Arsenal game coming up as well. Is that going to be something that factors into this Chelsea game. How much can they give in this game? How much do they have in their legs? 
We know they're missing a lot of players, the Salas, the Trents. So Basla is not there. Obviously, then you got the long-term injuries of, you know, um, Thiago, etc. It, it's going to ask a lot of Liverpool, but I have a feeling that at home, you, you just back Liverpool. They've been so dominant when they've played at Anfield. Um, and considering these games are always cagey, I'm, I'm going to give them the edge with a 1-0 Liverpool. And I was tempted to go 1-1. But Liverpool have been quite good defensively of late. And and I'll just end with this. I'm still not as confident in this Liverpool team. I don't know if it's because, you know, obviously recent history, it's you have to get 90 points just to get into the conversation of a league title. And I don't see, unless City do what City do, I don't see a team getting to 90 this season. So maybe that's why I'm not as confident in this team. But they seem to be efficient and effective so, somehow they just get results on the board yeah for me you're the team to beat um there's just something that's so I, I don't even know how to explain it you you have such a good system i think around it, but the, the players the, they're just they fit perfectly for me uh, even without salah right now and you, obviously without trent you just see as you say seems so efficient and so energetic and i think Especially with Anfield behind you, you can just be electric. And I've got you down for 2-0 against Chelsea. And Chelsea's form obviously has picked up a bit recently, but I don't know. There's still something that doesn't feel quite right about them 100%. I think they're looking a bit more settled within the squad. But I think when it comes to big games, I still think that they're going to struggle to get anything out of them. And then it can knock them back again in the, in the other games. So I just see that You'll score early and score late, I think. And I think Chelsea will have a couple of opportunities when they're, they're getting behind. But, you know, your defence looks solid. Uh, Van Dijk just looks top quality. And, and when you've got someone like Alisson in goal as well. Um, yeah, it, I think that you're going to be the team to beat for the title for me. Um, if I was Chelsea, I'd be looking still to put, push second half of this season and look for European places. But especially with the squad that they've got, that they, they should have the the strength to, to manage that. But, you know, the, the quality that's around them team-wise is is also going to make it tough. I, I think that the, it will be quite a cagey game at times. Um, but I think you, you just create such good chances and you can be so clinical. I, I personally love Darwin, Darwin Nunes. I have since last season as well. You know, that it's chaotic, but it, there's just something so much, so interesting about his game. It, it, he can get in behind. I think his link-up play has improved. And still can improve a bit more. And I think his finish for the first goal uh, in the last match was, was quality. Um, really calm and composed. And I think if you can do that a lot more, I think you'd have a really, really top quality uh, forward on your hands. So I think, yeah, I think it'll be an interesting game. Yeah, definitely. And and with Darwin, I guess now with Salah and Trent not there, Sobosla not there, he's kind of the guy that has to lead things from an attacking standpoint, which probably feels more familiar to him with yeah. what he's had in the past in previous clubs where he's the focal point, the main man, um, certainly worked out in the in the last game. Let's move on to West Ham versus Bournemouth. Obviously, West Ham probably feeling quite hard done by, um, goalkeeper getting injured and conceding that, that penalty late on. Um, I mean... <laughs> I think a draw probably was a fair result against Sheffield United because I thought Sheffield United kept them honest. Um, West Ham obviously missing quite a few players. Um, I'm 
interested in how this game is going to work out because Brent, uh, Bournemouth play with this new sort of pressing, high pressing style system. West Ham like to invite teams onto them and play on the counter attack, but at the moment that counter attack doesn't have the depth that it, it it's it's had in recent weeks. Um, obviously, either injuries or Afcon or you know people away. I don't know if that system's going to work against Bournemouth when West Ham don't have their all their 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 assets to to utilize. Obviously, I think Danny Ings did quite okay in in that ten role, but again, Bowen I think is playing injured at the moment. Um, I, I've gone with a two nil. Bournemouth win. I think they're going to cause it, whether it's an upset or not. But I, I think Bournemouth win this one. I I've gone for a, a two-two, um, okay. another two-two for them. Um, yeah, I think that Bournemouth will be hard for them to stop. But I think with with how Bournemouth can press and and push up high, I think West Ham might catch them on the break. It did. This is the thing for me with West Ham is that they don't they're, they're not too consistent, and I think it is because of their approach of how they want to soak up more of the game and. And counter quite a lot. If they're not on the game, then they're not going to get the result that often. So it it does depend on how clinical they are, uh, and you know they are missing sort of some of those players that can make the difference for them. And it, it could it could be it could be perfect for Bournemouth. This really, I think that could pin West Ham back and cause them a lot of problems. But at the same time, it could work the other way for West Ham. So that's why I went I went for a draw, uh, a higher scoring draw. I think it could be quite open at times, so it'll, it'll be interesting to watch. I think West Ham fans will feel a bit restless again if, if they don't get a win. Um, and I think Bournemouth, if they were to get a point on the road, they, they would take it. But I think that they should be aiming for three points still. Um, I think that they are really, really fun to watch and they have got a really interesting squad of players as well, which they're another team for me that I'm going to be watching in the summer to see what they do because... I quite like their recruitment and I think that they could push for something a little bit higher next season as well. Um, but yeah, I've gone 2-2 to, to, uh, a score draw. Score draw. And and they certainly have uh, an interesting coach. I, I think, um, as you say, there, there there is something there that they could really build on and we'll see whether they can. Let's move on to the last game of, of that week. It's Wolves versus Man United. Obviously, Wolves were one of the form teams heading into um, this previous game week. They're, they're currently still nil-nil um, at time of recording, about 82 minutes into the game against Brighton. But they come up against a Man United side who, inconsistent throughout the season, um, struggling going forward. Um, I, I can't figure out what Man United are in terms of style of play. Um, even patterns of play going forward just doesn't seem to be there. We we saw a little bit, um, in my opinion, against Tottenham, where as soon as Bruno got the ball, he was just pinging it wide as quickly as possible. But that's because Tottenham play with a high line and with fullbacks that bomb forward. That's not going to be the case against Wolves. So again, I don't know if that pattern of play can work in this game. So with that being said, I, I think it's going to be quite a, a, a frustrating game for Man United because Wolves have been very solid under uh, Gary O'Neill. I, I think obviously missing um, some players, um, Aiton Nuri, I think is, is at AFCON, um, Troy is at AFCON, uh, He Chan Wang is, is at the Asia Cup as well. He's been in good form, but Pedro Neto is coming back, which is good for, for them. Um, 
I was leaning one nil Wolves. Um, part of me earlier today was going going to go one one as well. I don't I don't trust United's attack. I'm going to stick to my guns. One nil to Wolves. A frustrating day for Man United. Probably heaps more pressure on Ten Hag. I I, I don't know what this team. Can you figure them out? No, um, <laughs> I, I don't really like watching them to be honest. Because I, 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 if it was me watching them as a fan, I'd be really frustrated with being confused what we watch each week. I yeah. think, as you say, attacking patterns, but also that the pressing doesn't seem to match up all the time. I think he often has to switch their their pressing plan. And I think coming up against Wolves, who have a good home record, that they're in form and they enjoy playing against these big sides, you know, the, the crowd are up for it and so are the team. I think they've got the perfect squad to play these these top sides, you know, the the, the big six. You look at the the players that are really good at carrying the ball, really physical and, and got pace about them. I think that this squad is set up to get results against teams like this and especially if United aren't on their on the game defensively or, or, or in the in the opposition box and I think it it will be a win for Wolves. Um, it would it would be a big win for United if they could get it because you know that the, the form's not been great as usual uh, recently. So I think that they should be looking at, at winning this. Um, and with Hoyland in the goals a bit more now, I think maybe he could get on the score sheet again. That's why I've won two one. But yeah, I, I can only see Wolves winning this um, for, for the, the aligning factors of. Their form being at home, and I think that their their game plan against these teams often comes off. So, uh, yeah, I agree. Another frustrating day for United fans, I think. Yeah, well, that is going to do it for another episode of A Tad Predictable. James, do you have anything you want to plug, put over, promote before we wrap up? Uh, just the the podcast again, the AVF, the AVFC Faithful Podcast. We're on Spotify. We're on. Um, YouTube, you'll find us on Twitter. Um, you can find the, the tag in the, in the description. Um, me and my co-host Dan, we often do weekly episodes. Depends on the schedule and what, what we're doing. But yeah, we, we do try and get weekly episodes out. So if you can go and follow that, if you're a Villa fan or even if you're not. Definitely guys, go check that out. Um, from my end, go ahead and check out all the content on EPL Index website. Their match previews, poach match review, player performances, and obviously during a transfer window, all of the transfer news that you guys could wish for. Uh, of course, there's the daily podcast show. That's the two-footed podcast with Dave Hendrick, where he discusses the hottest topics in football. Finally, also check out the flagship show that runs weekly. That's the EPL Roundtable, where Kev DeVries sits down with panelists from respective EPL teams. They do the reviewing. We do the previewing on a tad predictable. A tad predictable. They do the reviewing after the the, the game weeks. Um, that happens usually comes out on the weekends. Uh, this show obviously go and follow the Twitter page at a tad predictable go follow at EPL index on Twitter as well. Subscribe to EPL index podcast channel on your podcast providers. Give us five stars, write positive comments. That stuff really does help us out. Go and write positive comments for James's podcast as well. I'm sure he'll appreciate that very much. I've been to the Ochenikira. You can find me on my Twitter handle at tad predicts a huge thank you to OB Semenya, he's at John Empire SA and Jody McKenna's, she's at Spursy141 for our guest intros. Our producer behind the glass, Mr. Guy Drinkle, he's at Guy Drinkle on Twitter. He's been James, he's at the Holt1874, that at the H O L T E 
1874 on Twitter. And remember, Chisinga Pere, Chino Shura. And still, Salah. Oh, sensational. Son had a goal and still a beauty. Oh, what a strike from Yuri Tielemans. De Bruyne. And it is Wood. Martinelli, gorgeous. Still going up. Oh, he's done it again. And City have won the Premier League. Sports Social Podcast Network.